You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We've been talking about the things that we need to quit and the things that God is calling us to start. And uh, well, here's what I'd like to challenge you to do. Uh, it's time to make the change. And it's time for some of you to, to let go of something and to pick up something. And so I want to encourage you to encourage each other by writing on those boards out there, uh, maybe something you're quitting. Maybe you're going to quit being lazy and actually, you know, get up early and, and start reading your Bible or, or get a job. Everybody said, those are two pretty important things, right? Uh, maybe you're going you're gonna to quit being quiet like we talked the first week. You're going you're gonna to quit keeping what God has done inside of you a secret and, and embrace this call of God to tell the world. Or maybe last week you're going you're gonna to quit making excuses and do this or stop doing this and begin doing this. So today and, and next week, um, I want you to write on the board what God is working in your heart. Don't put your name. Just keep it anonymous. And uh, some of you, you're gonna, you're letting go of sin. So it's time. You know what? I'm gonna quit. You know, fill in the blank. All right. It's your, it's your issue. So I want to encourage you. And part of that quitting is something I need to talk to you about today. Is a confession of something um, that I quit. Um, and and um, it's pretty serious. It's probably one of the most uh, important things in a person's life, particularly if you're married. And um, what I want to I have a confession to make is I have occasionally cheated on my wife. I have occasionally um, spent time uh, with a, well, um, more than once, uh, mostly between the years of 2004 and 2008, and uh, it's something that I that I still struggle with. And um, I'm going to tell you her name here in a minute because you all probably know her. And um, it was during this time um, that all I could think about was was her. And the toughest part is, is that she was already married. And her name is Living Way Church. I ain't never going to cheat on my wife. But I have cheated in, in my time in my wife. And for example, today we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm going to quit cheating on what's important. And, and I'll tell you, that during the, when we first started the church in 2003, man, I was way way too worried and obsessed over our church. Uh, I was easily going sometimes 75, 80 hours a week doing living way stuff. I would stay up late at night uh, on multiple nights, sometimes until three, four in the morning. There were even, there were even Saturday nights where I had nothing but 30 minutes of sleep and then came to church because I was editing dumb videos that I thought would somehow change the world. I would shoot a video and it would take forever to edit and uh, it, would, it would take me all night and I would come to church with this cool video that I shot and edited and some of you guys would be like looking at your phones and look talking. I'm like, I made a video. Look at it. <laughs> Let it change your life. It's awesome. You'll know Jesus better. And, and I realized that I was cheating 
uh, on my wife. And I realized there was things that in my home I was cheating on. Um, it actually took cancer to shake it out of me. And uh, 2008, I started getting very, very sick. And 2009 of January, I was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, I was also working another job. And that was taking about 30 hours. And, I, and trying not to um, take away from my family, I spent very few hours uh, asleep because I was trying to work another job. And uh, there was a season when Living Way was really, really struggling. And, and I was, it was just, you know, God says, you know what? You need to put the stop button on your life. And you need to get your life in order. And uh, here's some cancer to help you out. I'm not saying God gave me cancer, but I tell you what, God healed me. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting and standing here today because of what the Lord did. And he used that to, to, to get me to quit, it, quit being a cheater. And uh, the problem is that some of you are, are cheating. Some of you are still cheating uh, on your wife. Some of you are cheating on your kids. Uh, and you've been cheating for a while. And your family is suffering And uh, it is time to quit being a cheater. It is time to quit cheating. So today we're going to talk about cheating. Now, I've talked about this before as a point, but I want to use the whole service today to talk about the value of this one area. And I want you to notice this. I want you to write it down. I want you to realize that everyone in this room, everyone cheats, even you. Everyone is a cheater. Right now, you are a cheater. If you're a teenager, you're a cheater. If you're an adult, you're a cheater. If you're a teenager, a senior, you are a cheater. Somebody or something is always going to get cheated, but you get to decide who you're going to do it to and what you're going to do it to. And the challenge is today is to quit being a cheater on what is important because you have to make a decision. This could possibly be the greatest decision of your life outside of Jesus, forgive me of my sin and be the king and master of my life. Other than the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, acknowledge him as the Lord of your life. This is possibly the most important decision you'll ever make. And that is to quit being a cheater. Let's look at Luke chapter two, verse 41. Here's a story you probably never thought about and concerning cheating. Uh, This is about Jesus. He was a teenager. He was a kid. He was 12 years old and his parents cheat on him. Look at this, verse 41. It says, every year his parents, talking about Jesus' parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. This was, they had regular responsibilities. This was a regular yearly event. This was a planned and scheduled, what they thought was a responsibility that was important. This was a holiday season, all right? He says, after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they... We're unaware of it. Everybody say unaware of it. Some of you are unaware of what is going on in your own home. You have no idea what is going on in the life of your wife or your husband, in the heart of your child. Of your, You don't know who they're running around with. You don't know where they're going. You don't know where they've been. In fact, you almost don't even care because you got other things that you are focused on and unaware. You're so caught up in 
you and in what you're doing that you don't know what your own family is doing. He says, but they were unaware of it. Verse 44, thinking he was in their company. See, a lot of times we think they're fine. They're okay. They're going to be all right. My kids are going to work out just fine. God will figure it out. You know, my cousin or mom will figure it out or dad will. We give it to somebody else. You know, my wife will be all right. She's got friends. My husband, I hope, you know, his friends are. They left it that he was okay in somebody else's company. And so they traveled on for a day. Time passed. This is important. Because here's a picture of a family that was so unaware of what was going on in their own life that days had passed. It says they began, uh, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him. It's like, light bulb, we don't know what our kids are up to. They began looking for him among their relatives and friends. Some of you guys, you can't find your kids' heart anymore. You can't find your spouse. You can't find your husband, your wife your friends, and you're looking for a way to reach them and to touch them. And he says this, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. It's a good place to start. Go back to the start. It says, after three days, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, Jesus is God on earth, and he was talking to the religious leaders and, and basically quizzing them and, and uh, teaching them and asking them questions to see what they knew. And, and, you know, he's God on earth. He's a teenager, and, and he wasn't in the wrong. But I, I, don't, I don't think you realize that Jesus is sinless, but not even Mary and Joseph is sinless. They were even cheaters here. They allowed the cares, the events, other things to cloud their life. And they forgot Jesus. All right, Mary had a vision and saw an angel. And she said, man, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. If I were Mary, I would lose Jesus. I would hang on to him. I'm like, where's Jesus at? All the time. She lost track of Jesus. Joseph and Mary were so caught up on the holiday event that they forgot about Jesus. They left him behind. They left Jesus. Verse 47, everyone who heard him, Jesus, was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, they weren't astonished that he was teaching. They were astonished that he had been gone. And they said, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Isn't that usually what happens? We blame somebody else for the issues of our own relationships. We look, we like, man, you wake up and one day you don't know who your wife is. And you're like, well, it's her fault. It's because of what she does and how she is. It's because of him. It's because he always does this. Or he, my kids, they just don't want to hang around anymore. And we, pay, we place the blame, just like Mary and Joseph, on somebody else. We didn't keep track of you, and it's your fault. Well, Jesus went with them, and the Bible says he grew in stature and wisdom and knowledge, and his rapport with others even got that much greater. Jesus was not in sin here, but his parents were in sin. His parents had neglected the important. Have you ever left your kids behind anywhere someplace? Anybody? Fess up. We got hands up. Kids left behind. Are your kids with you today? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, I, I was a youth pastor for um, 
uh, a long time before I started Living Way Church, and I used to take kids to camp every year, and I actually left kids at camp coming home from camp. And um, we had a pretty good-sized youth group, and we took, you know, a pretty large group of kids, and there's always that one kid that just can't stay with the herd, you know what I'm saying? He's the wanderer. And you got volunteers. You got to count heads. And, you know, you, and if you have multiple vehicles, good luck, right? Each driver has a responsible role to make sure this. Well, you know, when you have a lot of kids and they start mixing seats and you count your van and you think everybody's cool, I got all my heads, right? But, and then you get in the other van and the other guy says, everybody here? And everybody says, yes, we're good to go. Because all we want, we want to go home, right? We're focused on the immediate issue. It's time to get home. We were focused on, on what was immediately the urgent need. And we forgot what was important. And here's what happened is I made it all the way back to the church. And all the parents, oh, I left. <laughs> you know, it's a week of at camp. All the same body loves each other. And uh, um, I love you, mom. I miss you. You know, maybe. For some of you, it's like that. For others, it's like, you know, they don't want to come home. But we had one parent that was waiting and waiting, and she comes up to me and says, where's my son? I said, Don, he's here somewhere. And he never showed up. Now, this was before cell phones, all right? We couldn't just go, where are you? It was like, um... We don't know where he is. Turns out uh, we left him at camp. Good thing was that year we went to a camp that was only 45 minutes away. As opposed to Florida, (laughs) where we go now, (laughs) make sure everybody is counted, uh, Sean, everybody. But here's the deal. We were so focused on the immediate that we forgot what was important. If we're going to quit cheating on what is important, we need to identify a couple of things. The first thing I want you to identify this is things that demand our attention can lead us, uh, can lead us away. Things that demand our attention can lead us away and astray. Even good things. Work can demand our attention and lead us away. School, projects, you know, like Mary and Joseph, if we get our eyes on the immediate, on the important, uh, on the immediate need, the important gets left behind. The second thing you need to realize is that things that devour our attention can eat us alive. Not only can the things that demand our time lead us away, but the things that demand and devour our attention can eat us alive. For example, there are things that aren't immediate that devour our time. For example, our friends. Or uh, reading, maybe you're a big reader and, and uh, you can't get your head out of a book enough time to spend time with your own wife or husband. Computers, you know, I love computers and I love playing with computers. I love music. I love, I love playing and listening to music. TV can devour our time. Hobbies, Facebook, can I get an amen, can devour our time. Video games can devour our time. Somebody's got a crush. Candy Crush, come on. It devours our time. It can eat us alive. These things that devour our attention. I want you to take a moment. You've got a space on the back of your worship guide on the bottom. I want you to take a moment and throughout the course of this service, I want you to write down 
who you most often cheat. I want you to write down who gets the low end of, of your time. Who gets the short stick of, of your attention? I want you to, maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's a friend. Um, and then I want you to write down also who you feel cheated by. Who you feel like you're not getting a time and attention from. Wife, kids are getting left behind as we focus on work, school, sports, and hobbies. Hear me this, guys. I want you to hear this. If you're a parent, you are not expendable. And if you're a student, this is for you too. If you are at home, you are not expendable at home, but work is and school is. And you might say, well, they need me at work. Really? Get yourself fired and see how fast they replace you. They'll be just fine without you. But at home, you're it. You're the only dad they're going to have. You're the only husband, the only wife, the only mom, the only son, the only daughter. You're the only child that they want. That's you. They want you. Your family needs you. You can't make up for lost time at home. No matter how much money, no matter how many vacations you take, no matter how many gift cards you give, no matter how many toys you buy or gadgets you replace or iPods you buy or tablets you get, they can never replace your consistent presence in their life. Don't allow the things that demand our attention and devour our attention to destroy our relationships. So how do you protect your time? How do we quit being a cheater of those that are, of the things that are important? Three things that I want you uh, to, to, to apply to your life today that will help you to cheat the right things. And the first thing is this, cheat by design. Cheat by design. Remember, we're all cheaters. We're all going to cheat somebody. We're all going to cheat something. And, and this is a mysterious word called priorities. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, what is a priority? And then turn to your neighbor and say, am I a priority? (laughs) And then answer that question. Oh, yeah, sure you are. Am I a priority? Without them, you'll get caught up in the business of life. If you don't determine what your priorities are ahead of time, they will determine your time. A priority is anything you put ahead of something else. It is saying yes to something and no to something else, even to good things. There are some good things that they need to jump and be crossed off the list and put lower in your life. Again, this could be possibly the greatest moment of your life today, right now, outside of giving your life to Christ, when you can establish the values of your life. Value is what is important to you. When you establish the important values of life, God shapes our character and our values. And these values define our choices and our priorities. And all of a sudden, we have uncommon clarity in the decisions of life when we know godly values and priorities. So let's talk about what godly priorities are. And let's take a look at a, at a passage of scripture with uh, Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He talks about priorities and he talks about worry and he talks about us chasing the wrong things. This is what he says in Matthew six nineteen. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. He says, man, the stuff of this life, it's all going to break. That car that you love, it's going to break down. It's going to be an old car one day. 
It's going to be the car your grandkids are laughing at. It will be. And every house, no matter how new it is, will have an AC that will need to be replaced. Will have walls that need to be painted. Will have a yard that will have beautiful grass that will die. Somebody help me. My grass is dying. It's a thorn in my side. This is the truth. When we got the house, it had beautiful grass. But now, 15 years later, come on, God. How many hours do I have to put into it? God says, it's all going to die. He says, this life, all that stuff that you put your... Why treasure the things and the possessions, that job, you'll eventually be retired or fired or quit. He says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. See, some of you, your treasure is in this earth, so your heart is right here on this planet. Your treasure is in your bank account. Your treasure is in possessions. Your treasure is in trying to to keep that house that you should never have bought. It's in trying to keep those two or three cars that you should have never have bought. It's in trying to maintain a style of living that you think that you must have and you never even home to enjoy. He says, man, your treasure is in the wrong thing. And, and the things that you are treasuring, you want to know what you treasure? Just look at your checkbook. Just look at your bank statement. That's what you treasure. Jesus says, you know what? You put your treasure on this earth and you know what's going to happen? It'll all die. It'll all rust. It'll all break. It will all go away. He says, or you can invest in what's eternal. And that is the kingdom. And he's talking about lives, people. The only thing that's eternal on this planet are the human beings that fill this planet. He says, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't chase money and fame and position and popularity and serve God's plan for you. If you will honor God, he will elevate you. But if you try to elevate yourself, he will lower you. You realize that, right? Some of you, you're so much trying to climb that ladder of success, fame, popularity, whatever it is. And God says, you can't serve me and chase that stuff at the same time. Verse 25, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life, about your life here on this planet, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your body or what you're going to wear. He says, you know why we're so busy? He says, because we're always trying to make sure we got more than enough groceries. That we're buying new clothes. Some of you, you work so hard to buy clothes that you're not going to even want to wear next year. To buy stuff that you're going to want to replace when the new iPhone comes out or when the new Android comes out or when the thinner TV comes out. You're going to want more stuff, bigger stuff, and worry that comes with getting and paying for all that stuff. He says, man, you worry about life so much because you're chasing the wrong things. He says, is is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? He says, look at the birds of the air. Do not sow a reaper, store away in barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And you, are you not much more valuable than they are? 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day or add an hour to your life? Why are you chasing so many things? He says, man, they're never going to take care of you. They're never going to make you happy. They're never going to fulfill your life. They're never going to meet the most important needs of your life. But yet that's what we worry and obsess. And we're willing to cheat our own family for things that don't matter. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was a great king who was considered one of the wealthiest men alive to the Jewish people. He says, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, he says it dies. The things of this life, even the flowers, the mountains, the trees, all this, all this beauty, even the things of this earth that are pretty, that are good, that God created, they'll all die except for people who are eternal beings. He says, he says which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? The things you chase, the things you worry about, they'll all fade away. So verse 31, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that means anyone apart from God, he says, they run after these things. He says, man, people who don't know God, they chase the wrong things. Some of you, you think you know God, but you're still chasing the wrong things. He says, you live your life like a pagan. He says, how much more, if you know me, should you be thinking and viewing what is important and valuable differently. He says, he says, run after, he says, don't the pagans even run after these things? But your heavenly father knows that you need them. Guys, God knows what you need right now. He knows your financial troubles. He knows your marital problems. He knows the troubles with your kids and with your mom and dad. He knows what you need. We stress, we toil, we work, we chase problems we think if we just make more money somehow that will fix everything you know i've done this before if i said how many of you would say just show of hands be honest how many of you would say that fifteen thousand dollars would almost solve all of your immediate problems be honest i mean i would say yeah fifteen thousand dollars would probably solve most of our immediate problems and stresses right and and then when you get it you got something else There's always going to be something else. There's always going to be more money, more issues, more problems. And no matter how much money you get, it won't ever fix a marriage. It won't ever restore a relationship. It won't ever give you back time that you cheated on. It won't happen. Then he says one of the greatest verses of the entire Bible, Matthew 6.33, is a verse you should memorize if you are a follower of Jesus. He says, but seek first, verse 33, he says, then seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, the things you worry about, the things that you chase, he says, all these things will be given to you as well. If you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Putting Jesus at the center of your life, letting all other pursuits 
flow from this knowledge of Christ. Here's what a lot of people think. They think, Jesus, check. All right, now the week is mine. Church, check. That's Jesus, right? Church, by the way, church is not Jesus. It doesn't say seek first the church and his righteousness. It says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That kingdom of God means a relationship of walking and knowing and being in union with God on the earth. And his righteousness is a relationship with him. If you will seek the kingdom, the purposes of God, and your uh, relationship and walk with God, you'll be just fine in everything else. A lot of times people will sit uh, with me talking about family problems or counseling and marriage problems or kid problems. And you know what? The very first question I ask is, how are you doing in your walk with God? Because it really, everything moving forward in restoring this marriage or your kids or your life begins with your independent, individual walk with God. Seek first the kingdom. It's not about putting Jesus at the beginning of the list. It's about putting him at the center of all your list. He, seek first means put him in the center of your decision wheelhouse, letting all other pursuits flow from his perspective. So what are God's biblical, godly priorities? Well, Luke ten twenty seven gives us the top three. This is what he said. Jesus asked, what do you think the most important command in the entire scriptures are? This is found in three of the gospels. And in one case, Jesus himself says it, but this is what is answered. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. That heart is your, your emotions, your desires, your passions with your soul. That's your eternity. That's, your, that's the inside of you. That's the deepest core of who you are with all your strength. That is your body, your physical, how you live and how you respect and use your body as a temple. And your mind, that's how you view life, how you look at life, how you make decisions. He says, love the Lord your God with all of you, your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, well, you've answered correctly. Jesus said, do this and you'll live. How many of you want to live? I mean, like, really live. God never created us to survive, but to live. He says, if you'll do that, he says, man, you will live. I mean, you will live, truly live. You won't survive. You won't just squeak in. You won't just barely make it. You will live. Some say, well, just keep God at the center and you'll be fine. But it's more than that. There are priorities that we need to shape our, that we need to allow to shape our values, all right? Priorities, some people say are unrealistic, but if you don't set them, someone else will. So here are godly priorities based on the Bible. Number one priority is your walk with God. Your walk with God. He says, seek first. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You are to pursue God, you are to nurture your walk with God. Your marriage will only be as healthy as your walk with God. Your relationship with your children will only be good as your walk with God. The relationship with your parents, young person, will only be as good as your walk with God. The relationship with your friends will only be good as your walk with God. Second priority, godly priority, is your spouse. Your spouse If you are married, God is number one. Your spouse is number two. This is important. He says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Guess who our first neighbor is? Those in our home. And according to the Bible, our number one neighbor is our wife. There's a lot of scriptures on this. We're just kind of hitting them really quick. 
Jesus followers, we are to ensure that we pursue Christ and that we pursue our wife or a husband, Christ one, spouse two, kids three. Some of you have this backwards and you put your kids above your marriage, which is a bad idea because one day your kids will move out and you'll find that you did not invest into your marriage. And when they leave the house, you don't know who this person is anymore. You don't know who your husband is, who your wife is, because your life has revolved around the wrong thing. It should be God, your spouse, then your children. The greatest gift you can give your child is a healthy marriage. That's the heritage and legacy that you could give them that they can live. Wouldn't you love for your kids to have a good marriage? Do you want them to avoid divorce? Do you? Do you men want your sons to be a loving husband, not an abusive or neglecting husband? Do you want your daughter to be a gracious, patient, listening, supportive woman? Do you women want your daughter to be a woman of God who is a praying woman who seeks after God? Then be that kind of woman, be that kind of man to your spouse. It's the greatest thing you'll ever give them. Greatest thing you'll ever give them is a happy and healthy marriage with your spouse. Fourth thing is, it's your walk with God, your wife, your kids. It's the kingdom of God. The fourth is the kingdom of God. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then Jesus clarifies. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, so mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives us with clarity the great commission and, and our great position in him that we are to be walking out and living out. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and that is above all things, above your work, we are to pursue the kingdom of God. That is the purpose of God in our life. The reason you breathe air, follower of Jesus, is to let the world know that Jesus is alive and the good news of the gospel. And then five, everything else. Everything else. This week in your small groups, we're going to dissect this and we're going to talk a little bit about how work fits into this and how even church fits into this because kingdom of God isn't necessarily church. Sometimes it can be about the church, but really it's about serving the purposes of God. That means every job you have, what is the purpose of God in this? Every place you move, cheating by design, letting God's word shape the values that are important in you. Cheating by design. The other two, I'm going to hit real quick. Good opportunities, I want you to write this down, are not always God opportunities. There are times when your character and your values take over. Not every open door needs to be walked through. Establish priorities and protect them by design. Here's the second thing you need to do, is that when it comes to our time, you need to put up or shut up. I would have you turn to your neighbor and say that, but some of you might be vindictive. It's time, dad, to put up or shut up. Mom, put up or shut up. Son, daughter, put up or shut up. Your actions speak louder than your words. Your words are powerful when they are equaled by actions. Okay? Actions without words are good but they speak louder than words. Together, they're powerful. 
Let's look at Matthew 7. Jesus says this. This is about false teachers, but it applies to this as well. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their actions, by what they do, by what they actually do, you will know if they're legit. He says, you will know them and recognize them by their fruit. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. And a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them or know them. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and our actions are an evidence of what is going on inside as well. Guys, listen, some of you have said, I'll get to it. I need a volunteer. I need a man. I need a man to come down here for a minute. Sean, you'll do. Come on down. <laughs> Come on down here, man. All right, I just want you to hold this. All right, just stand here and hold this. Just hold it. All right, that's all I need you to do, okay? It says, by their fruit, you will know them. And when it comes to your family, talk is cheap, Here's a convicting verse in James 4, 17. It says, anyone who knows the good that he ought to do and does not do it, sins. That's pretty powerful. He's, he says, man, if you know what you should be doing, if you know that you should be going home, if you know that you should stop playing that game, if you know you should get up early and spend some time with God, if you know it's time to make a commitment to value as a family, you're going to be at church on Sundays. If you know that it is important and it's God's will for you to reach out to your neighbors and to be a part of outreach and to be a part of a small group, if you know that's what God wants for you and you do not do it, the Bible says it's sin. It's called the sin of omission. There's what's known as the sin of commission. That means things we do that are sin. That The Bible also says there are things that we know we should do that we don't do. That's called sins of omission. Things that we know we should do that we do not do. It is sin. Some of you are in sin right now because there are areas of your life you were to quit, you are to change, you are to adjust. There are people that you are cheating and you should be cheating something else And you know it, but you still allow your schedule to look the same. You still allow your habits to control your decisions. You allow improper placement of the priorities that are God's design for you. And you just still can't do it. So what you do is you you tell your wife or you tell your husband, here, hold this. Just hang on. How you doing? You doing all right? Okay. Is it getting heavy yet? You, re- you can't rest. Don't rest it on your belly. You can't do that. Uh, all right, we'll rest it on your belly. We'll see how long it lasts. So we give our husbands, we give our wives, we give our kids. And we say, here, hold this. All right? I'm going to come back to you in a minute. Some say, well, you need to know my heart. You know, I, I tell my wife, you know, my intention was to be at that game. My intention was to be home early. Uh, um, I I tried. I mean, my heart, I would rather be there than here. Trust me, that's my heart. Well, if I was driving and texting, which um, I'm not saying I do or do not do. (laughs) Confession. (laughs) 
It's good for the soul. I have an app where I can talk into my phone. So I talk into my phone a lot. So I, I speak into it and just push sin. But I have to correct my speech. <laughs> so it's, oh. Anyhow, if I was driving and, um, and, I, and texting and then I hit a person and, and I didn't just hurt them, but I killed them. And I showed up at the funeral and mom was weeping over the casket of her child. And I said, I just want you to, I want you to know my heart. I did not intend to hit your child. My, my heart was, I was trying to just kind of, you know, save some time. I was, you know, it wasn't my intention. I was trying to do what was right. Would that bring back her child? Would it, would it allow her to hold in her arms her son or her daughter? Would it, would it allow her to, to kiss her child and to wipe away the tears? Absolutely not. We think somehow... We think that somehow if we just share our heart and say sorry, that it will fix our problems. Now, we need to repent to our family. We need to say we're sorry. But we also need to realize that years of cheating will cause some damage in your family and in your marriage. And some of you are like, well, I said I'm sorry. Right? I said I was sorry. Well, you know what? The damage is still there. And a lot of times we think, well... um, My intention was not to do that. Put up or shut up. If you say you're going to be home, be home. There are circumstances that happen from time to time. Sometimes you have to work late. Sometimes you miss a game. Sometimes you're stuck in traffic. Sometimes circumstances are beyond your control. But most of our time, it's something we can control and we just don't make it an important priority because we allow the demands that are immediate to lead us astray from what is important. Stop saying sorry and start showing up. Your family does not want to hear the priority. They want to feel the priority. I don't want my wife to talk about kissing me. I want to feel those lips on my lips. Put them on me. There's a difference between telling me I want to kiss you and a kiss. Talking about leaders in the church, 1 Timothy 3, 4, what are you doing? Hold it like this, okay? (laughs) Hold it like this. Is it getting a little hard? Okay. That's the idea. All right, but just hold it as long as you can. Your muscles, look at this. He's a, look at that. Here, stand sideways. Look at that. Look at that. He's got, he's got like three really big muscles. One, two, three. <laughs> he works them out. This is what 1 Timothy 3 and 4 says. It says he must manage, talking about leaders in, in the home, people of great influence. He says he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a matter worthy of full respect. It's not, you will do what I say, pow, pow, pow. It is a manner worthy of respect. Some of you are trying to force change on your family, your kids, and it's not worthy of full respect. He says, you need to have a healthy relationship in your home, worthy of full respect in a manner, in a way. He says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church. See, God says, my priority 
is that you take care of your house before you take care of my house. He says, your family before my family. He says, only one thing on this planet is more important than building the family of God, and that is your family. This is a a significant thing that a lot of pastors miss, a lot of church people miss, a lot of people miss. My wife is not impressed by my preaching like you are. I'm just kidding. Some of you may not be impressed with me. Because she knows me better. My wife bases my walk with Jesus on how I love God, how I love her, how I treat her, and how I treat my kids, and how I love her family. And my family, they don't want me to preach another good sermon. They want to see me live good sermons. If I quote 50 verses a day but neglect my wife, I'm not as spiritual as I think I am. If I see lives change and if I sit uh, across from a family and, and, and a part of a counseling session that restores family, but my kids are starving for my attention, I'm not as spiritual as I think I am. And some of you, if you get that promotion and you get that raise and you get accepted you know, to that program, you're not as spiritual as you think you are if your wife wonders who you are. If you get that degree, if you finally get that that master's that you've always wanted, or if you finally get that degree or that education or that training, or you complete that class like you've always wanted, but your kids don't know who you are, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. If you get that raise, if you get that house, if you are able to buy those clothes and drive that car, if you're able to go on that vacation with your kids, but when you get there, your kids don't want to hang out with you, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. You may move in spiritual gifts and in knowledge and understanding of the Bible, but if you can't live it with your own family, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. You can lead people to Jesus, but if your family doesn't know you, If your family doesn't know Jesus, you're not as spiritual as you think you are. God says, your house before my house. Your family before my family. Your house before work. Your house before school. Your house before friends. Your house before hobbies. And young person... This is for you too, and I want you to hear this. A lot of people know mom and dad, this is for them. I was talking to my daughter yesterday about sometimes when we talk about growing up things, do you check out and serve? And she says, yeah. Well, this is for you too. Here's a verse. Check this out. Genesis 2, 24, it's one of the most often quoted verses in the Bible. It's quoted four times. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and his mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Talking about marriage. He says, it's at marriage that you leave the responsibility of your family at home to have a new priority of a husband or a wife and a new family. Guys, listen, guess what? Before you're married, young person, single person, your mom and dad is still your priority over your friends. If you're not married, you need to spend more time and attention at home because if you're not, you're cheating your family too. So how you feeling? It's heavy. Now, I want to use this illustration. Here, step over here. I've actually used this illustration several years ago. It's starting to hurt. The back. Okay. Okay. To the left, to the left. All right. Um, This is what we do oftentimes is we give 
our husband, our wife, our kids, this, this stone, this responsibility to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be busy for the next six months, for the next three months, for the next two months. I'm gonna, I'm, you, we're not going to be able to talk much. We're not going to be able to see much. I've, wait until school's over. Just give me two years to complete this degree, right? Just, just, just know that we've got to get out of debt, so I'm going to be working like, you know, extra, extra, extra all the time. It's for us, honey. It's for us. Just hold this. Kids, I know I'm going to be missing a lot of your games, but there are things that we've got to do, all right? So what we do, I'm going to let you set it down. Hold it right here for a second. Is that we do is we say, here, hold this. And you know what? Because our family loves us, we will hold it for a while. But eventually, no matter how much we want to, we just can't bear that burden any longer. And you know what happens? You can set it down. Is You know what happens? If we don't relieve them of that burden, it will break them and it will come crashing down and it will turn to rubble everything that you love. And we do it all the time. Thank you, Sean. Oh, um, I was going to give somebody a book, so why don't you give this book to somebody? Okay, it's crazy love. Give it to somebody who doesn't have it. <laughs> she doesn't have it. <laughs> All right. Here, here's what we do, guys. Listen, I want to challenge you to quit asking your kids to just hang on for a little bit longer. Quit telling your spouse or your husband, your wife, your parents to hang on. It's, you know, some things we can handle for a while. We're family, okay? We're going to handle things together for a while. But it's unfair to expect that they are going to hold that forever and ever and ever. Because you know what we do? We often say it's only going to be for a while, and then it becomes our norm. It becomes the way that we work. It becomes the way that we live our life. And then we wake up, and we don't know our own family. We don't know our own kids. We don't know our husband. We don't know our wife. We are cheating the wrong thing. Some of you feel cheated on. Some of you feel like you're holding this boulder in your home, and at any given time, Everything's going to come crashing down and you are stressed. You're, you're, you feel alone. You feel frustrated. You feel like nobody is with you and nobody's helping you and the people closest to you. You feel like things are coming to an end. Guess what? This is what your family says. Love me with your schedule. Not just your heart. If we cheat the wrong things, we'll leave them behind. For some of you, it's time to have a serious talk with your mom and dad. It's time to have a serious talk with your husband and wife. It's time to have a serious talk with your kids. Tell them that you're done cheating or that you feel cheated. And if you are on the receiving end of a spouse that comes to you or a child that comes to you and says, I feel cheated, will you have ears to hear? Will you have an open heart to hear what they have to say? Here's the last thing. We're going to end it with just this thought. And that is to quit cheating is to align your life with the creator. See, this is really what it's all about. And again, this is to quit cheating is probably the most important and greatest spiritual decisions you'll ever make in your life. It will change every relationship, possibly forever. Your active presence might bring them to Jesus and your absence might repel them from Jesus. 
Going back to Matthew 6, 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. If you're not a Christian, all pursuits in your life will never make sense until you are in alignment with God through Jesus. Nothing will make sense. Many are religious. Many of us, we are Chuck E. Cheese Christians. That means we, we go and we want to ride as many rides as we can or get as many tickets as we can and to get as much junk as we can. If you've ever been to Chuck E. Cheese or any of those places where you redeem your tickets, they're never worth the amount of money you spent for them. Ever. The prizes that you get are garbage. And you're paying way too much for garbage. Guys, listen, stop living life like your Chuck E. Cheese. It's not about the tickets. It's not about the rides. It's not about the experiences. It's about the relationships that you get to go and spend eternity with. It's about those that are living and breathing in your life that need your presence in them. Some of you are thinking, I wish my spouse heard this. I wish my parent heard this. If that's what you're thinking, this verse is for you. Psalm 139, verse 23, it says, Search me. O God, and know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Guys, stop thinking that your spouse needed this. You needed this. Stop thinking your kids needed this. You needed this. That your parents needed this. You needed this because it begins with you aligning your life with the Creator. Some of you, you might think that you're too far out, that you've gone too far, that, you, that your kids don't like you anymore, your marriage is in shambles, that your walk with God, you've neglected, you've cheated on God, you've cheated on the kingdom, that you're so far from God, you're like, you're, everything's coming at you, and you're like, oh, it's too late. I think about the game Asteroids. Anybody remember the game Asteroids? Anybody who's over 30, all right. You do. All right. It's a basic game. It was basically a black screen with these asteroids that floated around, and the high-tech spaceship was a triangle. And it went pew, 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 pew. Love the sound, right? And you, you blasted asteroids, and that's how you, you know, you could fly around all of a sudden. But there was this button. There was this button that when everything got just completely out of control, and you're like, I can't go any far. It's like, ah, there was a button called hyperspace, right? You push that hyperspace button, and boom, you're gone, and it puts you in a whole new position on the screen. It moves you to, and you're like, ha! You're like, pew, 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 right? Here's what happens, guys. Some of you, you feel like everything's coming at you. You feel like your schedule's falling apart. You feel like you've been holding on, and everything's coming crashing down. Guys, it's time to hit the hyper grace button. If you will hit it, God will take you and put you in a new position in him. And through him, you can attack the issues of your life that are overwhelming you. Will you hit the hyper grace button today? Will you allow his grace to move in you? Jesus forgives and gives an opportunity to start over. The most important uh, spiritual decision of your life might just be your calendar. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace that never gives up on us, that never ends, that is, God, your grace that rescues, that redeems, that restores, that gives us a chance to start over. And God, I pray for moms and dads and husbands and wives and kids and teenagers, Lord, who feel like, God, they're burdened, they're holding this loneliness 
they're holding this weight, this this burden. God, they're hurt. They're just hurting, God. God, I pray that they would cast their cares and burdens upon you, for you care for them. That's what the Bible says. Will you right now just take a moment to give Jesus your burden, to give Jesus your care, to give Jesus your sin where you have failed? Jesus, forgive me of my sin. God, start with me. God, I quit cheating what's important. God, I quit it. God, more important than anybody in this church is my wife and my kids. God, help me to never, ever, 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 ever forget that. God, help me to keep the priorities of my walk with God, my spouse, my kids, the kingdom of God, and everything else in order. God, help those values shape my decisions every day. God, some men here need to pull back hours, make less money, get rid of some cars so that they can know their kids again and be in right relationship with their wife. Somebody here needs to stop doing so many sports and focus a little bit more time on hanging out with your family rather than yelling at them or watching them across the field. Sports are fine. Sports can be a great way to draw a family together, but some of you, you have too many. Some of you have too many hobbies. Some of you just need to quit getting on the computer when you get home. Some of you need to go to bed earlier. Some of you need to come out of your bedroom, young person, and actually sit in the room with your mom and dad. Stop cheating what is important and watch what God would do to honor your life. God, in Jesus' name, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.